and welcome to the Filmmakers Podcast. For those of you who've never seen the greatest the world has ever revealed, I'd like to introduce myself. Let's go! This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking from indie film to studio films and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them, and how to try not to F it up in our very, very humble opinion. Today, I am delighted that we are talking to Hollywood producer Todd Garner. But before we introduce him and how he is on this podcast, I'd like to introduce to you my co-host for today. It is Ian Sharp. Hello, mate. Hello, mate. Great to be here again. It's a pleasure to have you again. For those who don't know, let's list off some of Ian's credits. Let's embarrass him just a little bit. Because why go. not? Because he's a very <laughs> successful producer, exec and actor. Uh, credits include uh, The Marker, uh, Westwood and Holston, which both played at Sundance. Uh, and coming up soon, he's got Under Gods and The Visitor, which is in post. And also, uh, he is in my Knights of Camelot film. And, you know, hey, he might might say he steals the show. (laughs) Others might disagree. (laughs) Maybe, maybe. I think I did, but... I think you did. You you were definitely one of the best on a horse. You know what I mean? mean, (laughs) Cheers, I appreciate it. I'll say that. You will, because actually what you did was really cool is that... I say it's really cool. You showed the other boys how to fall off the horse early on, didn't you? (laughs) I did it. Well, it wasn't through choice, but yeah... (laughs) Oh, I thought you did it to say to show the other boys. Yeah, hey, look, no, that's exactly what I did. Hurt. Exactly right. what I did. Yeah, you did it. Well. <laughs> so we're delighted to obviously be talking to big Hollywood producer today, Todd Garner. I mean, what a legend! What a guy! For sure, man. Wow, what a guest. Well done. Yeah, it was you that set it up. Actually, he was on Twitter. He runs his own podcast called The Producers Guy, which is an excellent for podcast sure. for producers and how to work in Hollywood. You got me onto that podcast, but actually you tweeted him uh, the other day and said, hey, Todd, love your work. Hey, why don't you come on the Filmmakers Podcast? And he responded, said, yeah. So well done, man. Yeah, man. Cheers, dude. Like it, uh, on you, man, like the power of social media. So I'm just, <laughs> just goes to show her, huh? just take a punt. <laughs> there you go. Totally. Well, it, it shows to do that in sort of filmmaking life, doesn't Great. it? Take a punt. Yeah. Because, you know, now we know Togana and that's an amazing thing, an amazing thing. And I think that's what's cool about doing this podcast and the people we've met. You know, I like to call them all my friends now. I do. I go, hey, friend. (laughs) (laughs) But but we're all in this together, right? And that's what it's about. We all try and help each other. Um, And I appreciate you coming and helping today and being co-host. And I think I should get you on more. I think you're very good at this. My pleasure. Thank you. So what do we talk about with Todd? Let's go through some of the things so people know what's going to come up. We obviously talk about uh, his time at Revolution, where he made Black Hawk Down there and XXX and The Waterboy, right? When Mm -hmm. it was Disney when he made The Waterboy. And how he walked away from that to set up on his own, to make his own movies as well. Um, and he's made some massive, massive movies over his <laughs> yeah. time. So should we, list, should we list a few off? Here we go. Jesus, all right, Punch Drunk Love. <laughs> where do you start? I know, where do you start? Punch Drunk Love, Anger Management, 13 Going on 30, Are We There Yet? Man of the House, The Fog, um, Next, Paul Blart, Night and Day with Tom Cruise, wow. The Sources Apprentice, Zookeeper, Jack and Jill, uh, Into the Storm, Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse, Naked, A Boy Called Sailboat, Tag, Isn't It Romantic, Haunt, which we talk quite a lot about, how we made that movie um, with our good pals Beckham Woods, and Playing with Fire. And obviously, we talk about Mortal Kombat, which is his movie coming up as well. Mm. How brilliant. 
Yeah, can't wait for that, man. Yeah, so uh, strap in. It's going to be amazing. I am Giles Alderson. I haven't introduced myself yet, but I'm a writer, director, producer. As we mentioned there, I uh, did direct Ian in Knights of Camelot, which should be out in July. We have delivered the movie, so it should be out in July. Fingers crossed. Uh, I also directed The Dare, which is out now, right, Sharpie? You can watch that in the USA and Canada. Yeah, go and get it, folks. Find it. Find the film. Find the film and do review and do like. Um, and also Serial Killer's Guide to Life Now, which is out uh, in the UK, US and Canada and loads of other places. You enjoyed the movie, right? I did, mate. It was a cracking film. Well done. Thank you. Uh, thank you to Staten as well, who made it. He's, uh, he's a legend. I can't wait to make some more movies with him. So, well, should we get to it? Should we get to it? Here we go. Let's do it. All right, sit back, relax, and enjoy this brilliant episode of the Filmmakers Podcast. And I can say that uh, with the legend that is... The Hollywood legend that is Todd Garner. Enjoy. Are you in an attic? Bro? I am. This is my loft come office. And, um, amazing. It's, it's nice because well, I can come up here and do this, record podcasts and, and do my thing, which is nice. Perfect. Which is perfect. nice. Um, do you normally record in a studio? Uh, I did pre this. Yes. Pre this. Uh, oh. But then it's interesting because I um, was going to take some time off. Uh, yeah, I, you stopped doing it for a little bit, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I was so busy. Mm. Ironic. <laughs> yeah, ironically. Yeah. Remember those days? Uh, mm. Yeah. So I was, um, I was off to Australia. I, you know, I, I had five things shut down. So I was wow. off to Australia to shoot Mortal Kombat for four months, um, and I was in Adelaide, and it was very far, and it's a was a really big, complicated movie, and I just didn't feel like I could devote the correct amount of time to podcasting even though i love it and it's been so much so much fun and so um great for me just to learn mm-hmm. about about the business and about just talking to these great producers and people that are making content and just learning uh but i just <clears throat> it was just so far and i couldn't couldn't do it and then went right from that movie to another movie and then i have two tv series shooting at netflix and then i was on a movie when the thing shut down mm. and i came i just came back shell-shocked and it, after a a couple of weeks not even a couple of weeks a few days of just waking up so angry <laughs> that i i had to process it and I, and I realized that underlying anger is always fear and it was just the uncertainty of not knowing what was happening and not knowing if i was um alone in 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 what i was feeling about the uncertainty that i just reached out to a bunch of people that i had already spoken with yeah and then and then after that interestingly enough it's been just kind of intuitively following my gut um in terms of like what else would people want to hear about so i you know i reached out to uh just some friends about you know china and about distribution and Mm. then um and I'm going to do uh, one on Monday. Uh, a, a friend of mine, um, he started Summit back in the day, and yeah. he was out. Friedman was out doing a big money raise when this thing happened, right in the middle of trying to raise money to start another studio. And then this morning, um, <clears throat> a friend of mine reached out to me because he had had an experience uh, very recently uh, with people talking about suicide and just feeling in our business, just feeling really disconnected. So we're going to talk about that on Monday. So it's just been this really interesting kind of weirdly like the B side to this 
this record album of this podcast. Mm. You know, we're on the other on the other side of this of this thing that you know no one has ever could have imagined nor has ever dealt with obviously and so it's just been fascinating to kind of almost rewind everything that Mm. i have talking about been talking about with people previously it's been it's been it's been really interesting Mm. no i think that's fascinating isn't it yeah i think it's what's incredible is is like just everybody is involved in this like no one escapes from this situation and i think it's 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 almost like a huge reset for the industry isn't it and just in general i think across all kinds of industry life whatever so yeah. uh yeah it's time to kind of reflect and and i, I think these conversations these discussions are are so useful for that so you're obviously very grateful from from this side of the pond yeah oh, thanks no it's amazing thanks. the producer's guide is the name of it obviously i'll say that all this in our in our intro as well but uh, yeah todd it's it's it was uh, ian that got me onto it and i love it i think it's a fantastic podcast and it's it's fascinating how everyone is in the same boat and whether you're making a movie for, you know, 20 grand up to 20 million to 200 million, we're all still in the same boat. It's the same thing. We're all trying yeah. to tell great stories. And I, that's what I love about what we do. And you're the same as me as in we've learned so much from talking to other filmmakers. And it's been a fantastic resource for that. The reason I started to do it was uh, many reasons, just because I, I, I feel like in general, the entertainment media specifically is just very um clickbaity and mm. you know it's always doom and gloom and, and the business has never been worse and all these mm. things are shutting down and so and so got fired and there's this gleeful gossip that mongering that pretty much you know kind of centers around hollywood especially the yeah. last couple of years unfortunately because you know look i i'm a 55 year old producer you look good if sir, i don't have opti- thank you if i don't have optimism I have nothing like the, the thing I cling to is optimism because it's the only thing that gets us out of bed in the morning. Cause you know, we're starting from scratch pretty much every day. Mm-hmm. I agree more. Yeah. Well, after I left revolution studios, I uh, had just finished going through a, a divorce and I was with, uh, uh Years later, I, uh, I was married again in a, in, a, in a really expensive rental that I probably shouldn't have been mm-hmm. in. And I had not – I when I left Revolution, I didn't have any movies. I had nothing. I had zero development, wow. nothing because, you know. Everything was tied up, I imagine, with Revolution, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah sure. We had built a studio. Yeah, and Black Hawk Down, Punch Drunk Love, Hellboy, yeah, all those, those are, We made movies. a lot yeah, of good movies. And probably. so you walk away from that. <laughs> And I can remember I, <clears throat> I, I, yeah. at like three in the morning, I heard someone in my bedroom yell, what the fuck? And I right. woke and I, someone, and I woke up and realized it was me <laughs> and I was standing in my bedroom just Uh-oh. like, and I realized I don't have any movies. I don't have any development. I'm not ahead of a studio anymore. And it's not like anybody's calling me going, you know what? Here, here's a few movies for, to get you going. I was from scratch like every other person mm-hmm. out there i was like okay well i need to figure this out right now <laughs> because there's a lot i have a lot of bills i have a divorce and a yeah. child support and a house i am yeah, what okay and so i can relate to everybody out there who is sitting right now especially right now who's going go for this because you're mm-hmm. right we're all in this together, and I—I I, I don't know if you guys ever watched The Amazing Race. 
Uh, again, it's a show where they they, they, run, they literally travel across the, the globe in this race. And, and the thing that's so interesting in this television okay. show is there are at certain points where they get to the airport. And there's a, like you could be jamming and get the right cab and win the event and get six hours ahead. And then you get to the airport and it's like the flight's not till the next day. And all the contestants catch up and re and it, and it, re, and it resets yeah. right that's what Got this it, yeah. pandemic is it's we are literally all at this airport and the, and the whole business is resetting so everybody is in the exact same boat we're mm-hmm. you know there's not there's not one person out there in their car driving around getting an advantage over anybody else everybody right now has the ability to create either for themselves like and just write something that you're passionate about that you have maybe put on the shelf or or some story or some TV idea that you've had that you've never been had the time to do, especially if you have another a day job or a night job. So true, yeah. You have the time to do it. And if you're a producer, you have the time to actually sit and think and say, okay, what kind of movies do I want to make? I mean, it, during my entire career, I, I, I'm serious. Even when I was a studio executive, I say that probably the net is probably 75% of the things that I've done have been my ideas. And that's, but that's just necessity. That's not, that's not like I'm, you know, you know, I just would sit around and go, you know what, we should make a movie about Pearl Harbor or, you know, there's a, there's a movie in, in a, in a plane full of convicts in Con Air and, and you know what, mm-hmm. you know, that's, you know, anger management is a great title and it happened to a friend of mine. I should make a movie about that. Like, so these mm-hmm. things, even when I was an executive are just, you know, zookeeper, all these things where I would just go, what about that? You know, like you can do that. Anybody can do that. And it wasn't like I just came up, you know, I just came up with ideas and said, why hasn't anybody done Sorcerer's Apprentice in a long time? You know, and by the way, the movies either turned out good or they didn't. Some good, some bad. That's that's up to the film gods and, and you know, and just the, the 800 people it takes to make a movie. But anybody right now can be sitting and thinking about creative ideas because nobody is chasing ip right now nobody is no nobody's got the slinky game or the you know the, everybody's just sitting in their house with with just their imaginations and, and and the will to to make great stuff i think that's great i think that's exactly the right attitude as well i think people can now go right what do i actually want to make out of all the lists if they've got a, you know a slate or whatever it's because as soon as we come back and this is what we wanted to ask you about when this stops because it, it will it will have to at some point something will happen do you think there's obviously everything's going to kick off at once everyone's going to be like right we're good to go we're good to go and actors are going to have the ability to choose so therefore it makes sense right to find the right project you want to do next and have that ready and prepped right the one you really want yeah. to make well no yes i never ever recommend that it somebody just have one thing <laughs> for sure yeah just yeah that's It'd be better so if right. you had the 10 things you wanted mm. to do because yeah. you probably probably will get to make one but he uh, mm. taking a taking kind of a, a more of an airplane view approach to it I, I i have been thinking a lot about you know just content in general and, and the and the and the knock on streaming was again the media there's so much content. Nobody's ever mm. going to have time. How would we ever watch all this content? It's, it's just, there's just no way. There's too much. Yeah. I mean, the head of FX is famous every single 
uh, time, he would take the microphone. He would say, there's too much content. There's just too much content. Nobody can get, it's going to ruin the, ruin the world. It's too much content. Well, guess what? Sure. Guess what? We can watch it. And there's not too much content. And I've actually mm-hmm. honestly been thinking that if this thing goes another month, you're yeah. going to get to the end of your Netflix queue. You too. I mean, you may not get to the end of mine, but we're all going to get no. to the end of like, wow, I have now watched every single thing I could possibly want to watch. And it's not like you're going to go back to work and go, yeah, you know what? Let me just keep digging deeper into that library of stuff I've already combed over. Everyone is going to need new content. Everyone. And yes. so yeah. every movie company is going to need movies every because you cannot have a three month, four month break and then you know you know kind of spread it out it's not going to happen there is going to be a time where studios and even netflix are going to say holy shit we need new stuff so when you come out of this thing everything let's just assume that everything that was shooting starts exactly like it's like everybody paused in terms of what was in production and said said go Okay, so all that is getting all that is getting made. So that was already getting made, and it was already on some release schedule. So that's getting made. Then there's all the movies that were in prep. Well, those movies now have to wait for the other movies to finish, yeah. which gives a lot of people time to go. Is this really what we want to do? So that those movies are going to all jockey around. But then right behind that, all the new stuff. So what? Where the where the where the business? studio business I'm talking about now was headed was more bigger, more bigger, more bigger. And then anything that's not more bigger, you know, goes to streaming and everybody was starting their streaming services. Obviously, you know, Peacock is coming up. Warner's has HBO max. Obviously Disney has Disney plus there's Netflix, there's Apple, there's Amazon. And they don't have any, like they don't have anything. There's like, you know, so they are are all going to need content. And the thing that I keep wondering aloud is if everybody is in their homes that are that that is creative and they are creating things that are personal to them and you know whatever it is whatever genre uh they're coming up with you know the haunted quarantine house or the comedy whatever they're doing for their for their personal life it stands to reason that the overwhelming amount of new material is going to be personal stories from very creative people who have a lot of time to work on that. So it would also stand to reason then that if the overwhelming majority of that content is that content, then that's what the studios are going to choose from. And perhaps we can actually bend towards making more personal stories, bend towards making stuff. Because if you, if you follow the history of the movie business after the big studio system movies uh, were so popular with the musicals and all the, the overblown, you know, Cleopatra's and those kind of things we went into a period of this, interesting time in the movie business in the in the in the early 40s 50s where the story started to get you know that's when you have these these road comedies and these and the things like that and, and all, all those movies and then we went back into the 60s where it's it started again where the big studio movies were, were dominating everything and then in the 70s all of a sudden this new whole you know generation of filmmakers came about and started making these very cool very cool dramas and very cool edgy comedies and for not a lot of money and the audience ate it up and then slowly we started swinging back towards these big huge movies i think this might be the reset again that audiences are going to go because it's already happening in television 
those personal weird quirky stories like Shit's Creek and things like that that are just, you know, Dave, that are just so fringe are finding these massive audiences because they're authentic and they're, they're an authentic voice. And I'm hoping that coming, coming out of this, all these authentic voices are going to rise up and we're going to have really cool shit to watch in the movie theater. We've got to hope that. I think that's, I mean, yeah. I think there's going to be so much really cool content coming. But there's also going to be a load of content that maybe we don't want. But <laughs> well, that's always I'm, the case. <laughs> always the case. But I think it, I mean, as much as it's difficult now, I do think that we can come out of this stronger. And if you've got a good story, people are going to want it. I think you're right. I think Disney do want content. Netflix do want content. So if you've got something that is, they'll go, cool, go make it, go make it, go make it, because we need that content. For sure. I think if, 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 if we're not going to get a renaissance now, then what, 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 what will bring that you know, forward? Exactly. So I completely agree. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can say it's, it's, it's a, you know, for us, it's never been easier to get access to, to creatives at the moment. Agents are taking calls. You know, anyone that's willing to, to kind of write a development check at the moment, they, you know, they take that call and, you know, we've, we've bolstered our slate from, from, I think we had nine to like already in the space of three weeks, you know, 12 now. So that's an extra three films, all brand new filmmakers that have unique takes, unique, uh, kind of, uh, you know, their own voices and, and surely now we're at a point where it's it's adapt or die time for a lot of a lot yeah. of businesses. So I'm I'm really hoping. Uh, I, I, I yeah, I completely agree. I think um, it's how you take this kind of moment in in kind of history, you know. And I think this is it's somewhat of uh, you know in the film landscape, this is a positive. I'm not saying in life in general, you know, it's it's terrible what, what's happening. And but uh, but now now is a quite an opportunistic time. Yeah, know, in I mean, that sense, in a yeah. good way. There's well over a hundred years of the movie business that has survived wars and pandemics mm-hmm. and, yeah. and and plagues and sure. so and great depressions and so many horrific things that there is something in 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 the human psyche that a a, a well told story in ninety to one hundred and twenty minutes or if you're Scorsese four hours uh, <laughs> that, that that humans crave we crave that that three act structure we do we we crave hearing stories well told in that mm-hmm. amount of time and the irony is because the the movie business is so fucking expensive especially to market that yeah. this the 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 television in quotes meaning all content not theatrical is so mm-hmm. much quicker to pivot always it's so much quicker to pivot in terms of the the filmmakers great stories uh, you know, being in the zeitgeist of what people want, and as you know, and you you start to get into what Netflix did, which is they they realize, well, let's just let people binge it because that's what people want. People just want to consume content mm-hmm. the way they want to. That the problem is, I'm not the problem. the the uh, The interesting part is what people really want from streaming is movies, and and it's counterintuitive because <clears throat> obviously streamers would want long form series to hold you uh you hold your attention longer so uh, you know if somebody's binging something for, for 10 episodes and you you know they're an hour a piece you get you get that 10 hour bite but that's a lot that's a huge commitment and and what and what what they found in the research is what people want are good movies uh, on streamers and so for people that make movies um the time has never been better in terms of trying to figure out uh 
um, with with so many places to sell things. You know, if you if you have a great piece of material, it used to be for you, especially uh, independent filmmakers. Oh boy, okay. Well, if I don't, I don't really have access to Cassie and Elways or any of these guys mm-hmm. that put these movies together who I've had on my podcast. Yeah, yeah, that's you know, great. Shoot, I got to go to talk to my aunts and uncles and friends and start to cobble together money and create this document saying you now own 1% of this yes. thing of profits and you have to put in yeah. all the stuff and, and, and the million disclaimers why they're never, ever going to get their money back. <laughs> that, <laughs> that still exists. Yeah, but, for sure. It does. It does. <laughs> but in terms of developing a good piece of material and, and attaching talent, never been easier because of how ubiquitous technology is and how you can get to anybody. Number two. So therefore, if you have a good piece of material and, and, and a, and a, and a cool package, there's a million streamers that will want to make it because they need that kind of content. It's just the, the, uh, the appetite is so voracious, especially right now. And who knows, mm-hmm. who knows after the pandemic, maybe that all, maybe our taste buds have changed so much for the way that we consume this content that we just continue doing it this way, which will mean that, that, you know, we'll have to put more coal in the, in the furnace of the locomotive. And, and, and secondarily, if you then do get your aunts and uncles and dentists and things, and you make the movie, you know, film festivals are, it's going to be fine. I don't know. I, it doesn't feel like that's, if I was to look for investments right now, I'd be, would not be investing in film festivals necessarily, which means there's going to be a different way for people to find movies and and if it's if it's technology based and it's in some sort of submission via digital you know links and things like that wow that just opens up pandora i mean in a good way pandora's box of 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 everybody can have access to to these buyers now which is obviously great for everybody you're not just having you know you're not just having one one or two gatekeepers at the sundance institute or the you know what you know so-and-so film festival that are like eh, i don't like that movie you know and and you know maybe there's i'm sure there's a few there's movies along the way that have would have done huge business that never got seen because for whatever reason the gatekeepers didn't didn't feel like those were movies they wanted in their festivals it's so true. It's really interesting. I think that whole festival market might change now. I'm going to say one more thing about this, then we can move on. The other thing that just infuriates me about my business is yeah. I am a member of the Academy, right? So yeah. for me to vote, that means something economically to these movies. Because if you vote, they win the best picture, they get nominated, and then they have more box office. Okay. We're right around Academy Awards time, any months leading up to it. We have these academy screenings where there's Q and A's, where people host them, where got your mm-hmm. filmmakers host these things. That they, why, why not just do this regularly for re- mm-hmm. regular people? Let Ron Howard host, uh, you know, uh, one of his movies and say, guys, I'm hosting this movie all weekend at this thing. And rather than the the thing for the academy voters, which is usually like in in our big academy thing and they have all this cool yeah. shit that uh, everybody would love the the consumer would love do yeah, that. the real audience spend the money like. do that the academy yes. voters are going to vote or, or not and by the way you can still do q and a's with them whatever but maybe i would want to go to the q and a with a real audience i don't know but like there's there's ways to there's ways to improve this system that really could be earth shattering and make make it as earth shattering as going from the Coliseum here in Los Angeles, which is literally cement seats 
And back in the yep. day, I told you they just back in the day they would just serve beer and hot dogs. And if you didn't like it, that's too bad. It's the same as the theaters. And now we're going to have a ten billion dollar stadium with, you know, water slides. I don't know whatever they're going to have in there. I mean, it's going to be amazing. And and yeah. and and that it, it's in my lifetime. And so theaters can do it. They can. Yeah, and this this maybe is this whole Corona thing. This might be the time to say, do you know what? We need to change it up, and I hope so because I think that that's why I brought it up because I think it's a brilliant idea that we do more of these Q and A's. We do the live streaming, then zoom into the rooms and the director's commentary in the earphones. Why not? Yeah. I'd listen to that. Yeah, I'd go back to the cinema the next night yes. to you know. It's more money for them, and they've got to think about that. I imagine the cinemas now. Um, how can they get bums on seats again? No, the first month or so will all be piling in, but after that, we'll go. Hang on, I quite enjoyed our movie night with the family. Let's do it at home. And um, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure that first year of all these big movies, I'm sure because we've all been stuck in our homes. I'm sure all the filmmakers are going to be like, "What can we do? What can we do opening mm-hmm. weekend? What can we do to make this a fun, cool experience for everybody?" And you, and something like something like Avengers, which doesn't even need it. You could spread those Avengers out across the country and say, it's plenty of hey, them. guess what? <laughs> We're coming to a theater all week. Yeah, we don't know who it is. All it's a surprise which one's going to be there. Yeah. And then guess what? Yeah. We're going to live stream that from this until you're like, oh, man, it was in Oklahoma. Whatever. That would be so much fun to watch. We do mm-hmm. these we do these huge premieres that get picked up, you know, by a few news organizations. Spend the money doing something else instead of a premiere. Spend the money sending your stars to different places. Spend the money to do behind the scenes. Do, the studios, are, you know, already have these assets. Just deploy them in a in a much smarter way. We've all got to just be much more open to this i say it's us like you know like i can change the cinemas but i think someone like you todd potentially can i think you can you know it is something you could go with and say well look the next movie this is what we're doing i'm you know i'm I'm trying i believe me it's either gonna know you are gonna be it's gonna change it or people are gonna be like fuck him we're not putting any (laughs) yeah fuck him (laughs) so the ghostbusters car is going nowhere tired of that guy talking about this (laughs) yeah the rock is like i'm not i can't keep busting his ass i can't keep doing this i've done (laughs) he's not Imagine the rock listening to this going, what the fuck? I ain't going out and doing that. What the hell is he talking about? Yeah. Why would I do Easy that? Easy for him to, to say, he's not me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I got a lot of shit on I've my plate. <laughs> how many times have I got to do this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> for how many tickets? Yeah. Fuck that. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. I know. It's funny. Yeah, yeah. But there is ways. And I think that's a really interesting point. I wanted to jump back a little bit and talk about, you mentioned there when you, when you left um, Revolution and you felt suddenly you didn't have any projects and you didn't know sort of where your journey was what did you do how did you move forward how did you find projects and how did you get them made the same way i've always done it the same way i did it when i was a ce i first of all started thinking about okay what do i have like what i have so i have connections i have a i have a i have a history i have a i have a a career that i worked with a lot of different people and so okay i've got that I can start calling people that I've enjoyed doing business with or have enjoyed doing business with me. So I, I, I have that asset. And then what else do I have? I have my imagination. I come up with ideas on my own. So, you know, we came up with this, you know, came up with Zookeeper and, and, a, and a few other movies that have gotten made. And I'm like, okay, I got that. Now I just need to take that idea and find a writer to join forces with me. And then you sort of like every day you go, okay, I'm going to put that writer on this. It's the same thing I'm doing now. It's the same thing I've always done. Um, the, out of the movies. 
So the movies that I, so I, I've, I've had this movie called right now. I have this movie called all my life at, um, universal, which is a true story, uh, a drama that we just, we found this story on the internet and chased it down. I have Mortal mm-hmm. Kombat, which uh, obviously was a, is is an I piece of IP that New Line absolutely that New Line was gracious exactly. enough to let me be a part of. So that's okay. different. But this TV, I'm doing two TV shows for Netflix. Both were my both were you know either my idea or a way to take the idea and put it together with with a, with a package. And then this other movie I'm doing called Vacation Friends for 20th Century. I've been trying to get made for 10 years. These two these huh. guys from Montana, Tom and Tim Mullen, came up with this idea. They were very young writers. We crafted it together, and after ten years, I got it made. So the same thing I've always done. I've got my own imagination. I've got some connections, and I and I know and I know I know how to move things forward. So I just had to roll up my sleeves and and start to and get to work. And how did you do it? How did you do it before that then? I suppose, because some of our listeners will be like, well, that sounds great for him. And, you know, right. he came with the back of revolution and these big hits. Right. Some of our listeners are going, well, that's fine for him. He can, you know, go through his roller decks and go, right, who can I call now? Let's get the rock on the phone. Do you want to do this movie yeah. for some of our sort of where did you, when you first started, how did you find your way in to become who you are, you know, to become the great well, Todd Garner? Well, I don't know you know. about that, but you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised <laughs> how uh, quickly people forget all the things you've done for them. I mean, the, the, sure, the first sure, thing yeah. I thought was I have made so many people so much money and I've made, uh-huh, rich. you have, yeah. yeah, get ready, babe. The phone's going to be a ringing. Yeah. That's it. My wife, I like, stop shuffling around the house going, my wife's going, is it broken? Is the phone's not ringing? Yeah. Anytime yeah. now. I'm sending Anytime. it back, going back into, <laughs> yes. into the phone shop. Going, hello, what's so, going on? Yeah, here's the good, the bad it's of not that. Working. But, yeah. but okay, so going back just to when my CE days, back in when I was at Disney, when I was a young, young executive, I did just that, man. Same thing. I go, what do I got? I got my imagination. So I can mm-hmm. think of ideas and I try to get those ideas made. Um, I got a few of those made while I was at Disney. And uh, how did you get to Disney in the first place? I suppose that's what's in. How did you even get inside Disney? Well, it's funny because, again, it, it, just if you. When you're in the middle of it, you're thinking like, wow, this is this is an insane path to get here. But I, I grew up in Los Angeles in the Valley, and I th- was always a theater nerd. And I played ah, sports too, but nice. I loved comedy. And I thought, well, maybe I'll be a stand-up. And then, I, no, that's really hard. Uh, oh, you, you, could, you could do oh, that. Uh, yeah. It's hard, but, you know. I'm a, you know. I'm a, I'm a great stand-up with one or two people uh, in, in <laughs> after a few beers. <laughs> I could, I don't know, yeah, sober okay, in yeah. front of a thousands, I would do, I would be able to it's, do that. But, it's um, tough. Yeah. And then I went to Occidental College, which is a small liberal arts college here in California, uh, where Obama went, mm-hmm. by the way, and before wow. he, for a couple of years. And, uh, and I thought, well, maybe I'll be a director. And so I would make these little short movies and, you know, and the school was very small. So I had to go out and get experience elsewhere. So I, I went out and got an internship at a post-production facility and became an editor. And so, wow. so I was, okay. I was an editor for four years, um, which is an unbelievable experience that I use every day of my career yeah. since then. It's scale. so important, isn't it? I talk scale. about it on the podcast oh. all the time. You how can make or break a filmmakers. movie, a good edit, make or break a movie. Yeah. 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 And you learn what you need to shoot, what you don't need to shoot uh, from just watching someone else's rushes. It's you're like, why didn't you get the wide? Why didn't you get a hand shot here? Yeah, absolutely. You must have learned I have, massively. I that. have said all those things last in the last week, what you just said. So yeah, it's uh we're in post on a couple things and and uh 
yeah, it, it, editing is... And you told them off. <laughs> why is there no hand shot? Why is there no wide? Some, what are we doing? <laughs> some, no. Some. Just a couple. Uh, but, uh, uh, but uh, um, <laughs> yeah, edit And I was an editor. And then I realized that I was going to be an editor and I was, and that's not what I wanted to do. <laughs> you got scared and went, I don't I want to be in a dark After four years of like, wow, I'm making a lot of money. And this seems like this. And I was, thank God I was young enough to not get sucked in by that. By the way, mm. I, I would love, I mean, I love editors and I love, but some of my best friends are editors. It just, I wanted to be a producer. So I thought, yeah. okay, I'll go to business school. So I, I applied to Stanford business school. Nice. And I go, well, how's the, what's the best way to get into Stanford Business School from Occidental College? Back at that time, which is uh, uh, 1987, I thought yeah. Wells Fargo Bank because it was a San Francisco-based bank, Stanford. A lot of people had gone. Just to, it, this is pre-Silicon uh, Valley. And uh, so I went to work at Wells Fargo Bank as a, as a loan officer selling <laughs> <Nice>. loans. <laughs> <laughs> seeing, by the way, absolutely seeing the beginnings of where that bank was headed. Like, it surprised me at all. I was like, yeah, I did that shit. They made me do that stuff when I was there in 87. Uh, wow. Yeah. And then, and then ready to go to Stanford at a business school. I mean, I out of being a, out of, out of being a loan officer at Wells Fargo teed up and my father who knows nobody in the business happened to be playing golf with. This is why I always say to people, it just takes one thing or one person and you never know where it's going to come from. Keep your Mm. ears and eyes open. And this guy, Tony Sheehan, was playing – not Tony Sheehan. uh, I think it was. The name might be wrong. He said, I have this – my dad goes, what are you doing? He goes, well, I work for Paramount Domestic Television, which is our syndicated division – and, and, uh, he goes, Oh, my son's an editor and weird. My son's an editor. And then he now works at Wells Fargo. And the guy goes, I have the perfect job for him. He should come be an accountant for the Arsenio Hall show. And my wow. dad comes to him and goes, would you want to go be an accountant at Paramount television? I go, fuck. Yeah, I would. I mean, just to be on the yeah. lot. Yeah. Just to walk around and well, be part of it. Is, I oh. drove on the lot and I'm like, I'm done. This is it. Yeah. No matter what. Yeah. No matter what happens, whatever happens, it's and then yeah. and once I was on the lot, I could kind of you know walk. I would walk every day around the lot, listen, keep my eyes open. Figured out there was this job called a creative executive, which sounded good because I wanted to be an executive and I felt I was creative. So <laughs> I would say to people, "How do you get that job?" And then they said, "Well, the yeah. best way to do it is to become an assistant." But you you're like an accountant guy, which is the most ironic thing ever because I had just been writing plays and being a performer and being, being very creative being an editor. Yeah. and now i'm like oh i'm that guy now so it's, that's what i'm saying in the business you get pigeonholed pretty quick so okay. i went to ucla and took a ucla extension class from bob greenblatt who is now the chairman of warner brothers he's wow, in yes. charge of all of hbo max and he taught me does he still remember you from well, that, did does he still about it and he talked to, we, oh, he good. taught me how to read scripts uh, nice, back in the day, nice. he he gave me my first script to read and taught me how to do it. And then I became an assistant. And so the, the, the other lesson of this is <laughs> back in 1987, I think as an editor, I was making about a hundred and something thousand dollars. And then when I took the job at uh, Wells Fargo, I was probably making $30,000. And then right. when I was working as an accountant, I was making $28,000. Yep. <laughs> there we go. And then when I got a job as an assistant, I was making four hundred dollars gross a week. Right. 
It's going down. My father was freaking <laughs> yeah. out. He was like, this doesn't seem like the right path. You're going the wrong way. <laughs> <Sure. laughs> <laughs> but, but, but you were like, it's something I want to do. This is, yeah, going in the right direction for you. Yeah. yeah. Probably can't make less than 400 a week. Yeah, so yeah. I've got that going for me. Yeah. And then yeah. I was an assistant for two years and then um, figured out uh, that Walt Disney Company had needed a, a CE. And so I applied and, and I got that job there. And then I was there for 10 years. Wow. Congratulations. Fantastic, Todd. I mean, and you can see there is a pattern in your career where, you know, you've you consistently work with a lot of really, you know, fantastic talent again and again and again. What, I'd, what I'm curious is, is like, how did you navigate like not getting just the most inflated ego with the more success that you were just getting you know in your career you know from being that exec to then running you know revolution to then you know broken road productions how have you managed to escape that kind of hollywood narcissism if you know which we right. hear about over here well all of those people that i worked with time and time again would generally keep you grounded and say, man, slow down there, tiger. You know, really? I've worked with, right. That's good. <clears throat> I've done a lot of movies with Adam Sandler. I've done a lot of movies with Nick Cage, a lot of movies with ice cube, a lot of movies with Jerry Brockheimer. Yeah. Um, and, and, and now a lot of movies with Kevin James and, 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 and I've worked with, you know, directors over and over again and, and writers over and over again. And those people have a tendency to, as you're coming up, um, you know, kind of, keep you grounded and and tell you like man you're starting to get a little out, out of pocket there and then and then and then just for my own person my own personal self you know failure is a good teacher right and so <clears throat> when you do if you do this long enough you're going to have some pretty big ones it just happens to everybody and there's nothing you can do about it and you know when you have those geelies in your life and you have those just spectacular <laughs> flame outs you just just yeah just, uh, swinging from your ankles and just missing ball <laughs> by a mile it's a, right great it's a great teacher because no matter what you were no matter what you were feeling in that moment you're like oh, okay yeah this could all go away in one blink of an eye yeah, yeah. and so that's yes. that's also very humbling mm. too and then yes and then and then just there was there's there's enough there was enough um uh, people that had gone before me that I had seen go before me that I knew just there's, there's a certain way you want to behave in a certain way you don't Now That's not to say that, you know, there's plenty of people out there to think I'm an asshole because you have to say no to a lot of people. And, yeah, yeah. and, mm. and my, the way that I deal with people, as you can tell, I have now, you know, 90 something hours forever on the internet and people could just see how I am can't mm -hmm. bullshit for 90 hours. I will always tell people the truth because I would, I remember I had been lied to so many times as a studio executive, so many times of just bullshit. And that it always came out always. Nobody ever got away with it. You know, even if it was like bullshit that worked out, <laughs> like, I just never did that. I just, I, I, and I, cause I knew how hard it was for me to, and much more work it was for me to like navigate the bullshit. So I made a conscious decision that I was just going to be honest with people. Uh, and people don't like that all the time and, and it's fine, but, but I would rather just give it to people straight and say the thing that I think needs, needs to be said in terms of like, 
you know, well, it's the truth and I'm sorry, but this is the way it is, uh, mm. then try to bullshit them. And then three weeks later, have it still be this that way. And then, then people go, oh, fuck, this guy's not not a truth person. It's so much better. And we it's kind of like that. It, we feel it's like that in the UK a lot. There is there is slightly less bullshit and people do seem to be honest if they don't if they're not interested in your project they either won't return your call mm. or they'll say it's not for us mm. as we found that in america quite a lot they'll go oh this could be great this could be great and they leave you hanging for ages yeah. and they don't actually tell you the truth so it's really nice and refreshing to hear someone go no no we're not going to make this this is you know this is not for us right now and i think i think filmmakers would prefer that every time we go cool i can move on i can go create something else rather than hanging on to something that might never get made and we do that a lot as creatives and filmmakers we hang on yeah you know someone might say yes any minute now yeah. any minute now but you got yeah, but you have to hang on, on. to that you, that's that you you have to i mean i hang on to it i hang on to it too guys i mean i'm just I'm just still <clears throat> doing the same thing everybody else is doing is just trying to trying to get stuff made, trying to, you know, continue and keep doing this. And it's so funny because especially doing this, I always catch myself giving advice or saying something and just feeling a little bit like a little twinge of like, who the fuck am I to even talk about this stuff? Like, cause the instantly what it's, it, it what instantly what comes up was like, Dude, you made Tomcats. Like you have no, you have, <laughs> you have no right telling anybody anything. And you know, I could sit here and tell you forty-five minutes of all the reasons why that was a good idea at the time. But well, that's the thing. You never thought it was going to, you know, be a flop, right? You never thought it never. was going to be that no, kind well, of you movie, would, right? Yeah, you'd be pretty silly if you went in going, you know what, this is going to do. This is going to follow you for the rest <laughs> Let's of your make a failure today. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. But the fact is, I suppose you are allowed to say this because you have made XXX, yeah. you've made Anger Management, you know, you've made some amazing movies over your time. It's 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 not. So I think you you are allowed to say these things, but I know what you mean. You know, we're doing this podcast, and we you know we've made quite a few movies between us, me and Ian. But yet we're the same. We still feel like, oh, who are we to yeah. to tell people how? But we see it as no, we're not. We're just talking to people about how Sharing to make movies. That's how I feel Sharing too. experiences. Well, we all yeah. have the we we all we all have the same experiences as human beings. You know, we're all learning that right now, right? I mean, everybody's learning. You mm. maybe not the same views of how the experiences are interpreted but we all are going going through this at the same time and we're all generally having the same anxious mm. and insecure feelings about it mm. yeah no you're right no, so let's talk let's take a film like haunt for instance i love haunt i think it's an amazing oh, movie beckham was an amazing yes. um writer director team they've been on the podcast before oh, right by on. The way. Nice. um they're really cool guys. I met them actually at Popcorn Frights Festival where their film, The Horn was playing and my film, The Dare was playing. And um, we met Swimming in the Sea, which is just Whoa, such, I just love that. Down in Miami. I know. There we were. Hey guys. Hi. Uh, so, so a film like that, how would something like that come to you? How would you develop it and how would you get it made? I just wanted to sort of take a, a film. We don't have to use Haunt, but I thought it might be a good example of yeah. how the beginning, middle, and end of how you find the money, how you create it, how you bring, package it and bring it together. I think our listeners would love to know. Well, that's a perfect example, of, right? So, Great. Okay, so that was my idea. Um, I, wow. I was on a scout for another movie and in Atlanta, mm. <clears throat> and we were driving in, in, in the van, and I'm looking out the window, and we drive by one of those Halloween haunts. And it was like yeah. barbed wire and chain link fence and a hand painted sign that said Halloween haunt, you know, tickets here. I'm like, that is a for sure a serial killer 
lives there. Yeah, totally. Do you know that there's going to be that something crazy in that? That is freaking yeah. spider web. That's not, that's not, it can't be real. And, and then we <laughs> drove right to this location in, um, Atlanta called the Pullman Rail Yard, which is a lot of stuff shoots. There's um, Walking Dead, a bunch of stuff. And I thought, I could shoot this whole movie right here. That whole movie I just came up with in my head for, um, like, mm-hmm. just put everybody here and shoot it for nothing. So I called <clears throat> this other producer friend of mine who does these low-budget, um, really good at doing these low-budget movies named Mark Fasano. And I go, here's the idea. I want to shoot in the Pullman Yards, and I want to do it. Let's get a camera. Let's find five kids and let's just do it. He's like, what? Okay, let's try it. All right. We need it. We yeah. need writers first. And I'm like, okay, let's find writer directors. And, and I found writers. And then Beck and Woods are like, we want to direct it. I go, fine. It's cool. We're going to make it for a million bucks. Let's go. Write it. Great. Here's what it is. It's these guys. They're serial killers. They lure these kids in. And then they, the Halloween haunts real. It's a mousetrap. And they're like, holy shit. And they wrote, they wrote a great script. Mm-hmm. Great I, I go, we're making it. We're going to make it for nothing. And then. Uh, E1 came in and said, Whoa. Oh, and then I, then, and then I went to Eli Roth, who, who, I'm, who yeah. are good friends with and a big fan of, and I said, you want to do this with me? Just put your, like, help me. And he, he read it and he was like, I love this. And those guys went off and made that movie for a million bucks and crushed it. Absolutely crushed it. Just to jump back there. Where did you, so for a million, where would you find that million? Where would you, where does it come well, from? Well, I was going to of... do like you guys did. I, I wanted to do it outside of the system. I wanted to just put a bunch of money mm-hmm. together. And Eli's like, I'm not putting any money into this. That's not the way we do this. <laughs> like, went, why not? Sell this. this is <laughs> Wait, great. What? And then I was like, oh, okay. Well, I don't have to put any money in. Great. Let's find it. <laughs> Eat one came in. Eat one came in and gave us the money. And then, and then we sc- right. screened it a bunch of times, and it just cr- it was so good. It tested so great, and so it good. crushed. Yeah. And then we showed it to a bunch of distributors, and every, everybody to a person was, no, that's too dark. It's way too violent and dark. And Eli and I were like, right. that's the point. That's what we wanted to that do. That is the point. That's the, the point of Horn. It okay. is supposed to be dark yeah. and crazy yeah. and what happens. So we, yeah. we did what you guys did. We, we dog and ponied it. We put it up in a few theaters and we put mm-hmm. it to VOD and it's doing doing great. It's doing really well all over the world. And it's, you know, it's really great. And I just had, I just ordered my t-shirts that somebody had made. And they, they, yeah. My, uh, my glow in the dark haunt t-shirts. I love that movie. I'm really proud of that movie. Um, I, I was shooting another movie. So unfortunately it wasn't, wasn't, there for the 15 day shoot that these guys did but i know amazing they did it yeah they they crushed it and they did such a great job um yeah i really i really love that movie and the one thing that did happen here's another one that's funny we had to do a tiny little bit of additional photography on the ending and we went Mm -hmm. to this um naval yard in pomona to do it and insane this is the kind of stuff like you can't make up there was a murder some guy came in onto the naval yard and shot a security guard and then wow. armed walked five blocks and the police shot him. We got locked down on our, on our set. I'm like, what? If you do this long enough, you see everything. You'd literally see everything. Yeah. It was the totally most dude. insane day. Wow. We're shooting this guy coming in and this girl shooting him. And there's a shooting across the street. It was, it Jeez. was, it was bizarre. It was so, it was. Yeah. Did, did you have to stop shooting or could you carry on? You got the B camera out, man. Got the B camera. No, B camera, mate. Shoot, yeah, shoot, exactly. shoot. Again, shoot. You, the first thing you have to do is be safe. So we locked down the location. We brought everybody inside. We shut the doors. We had yeah. security there. Yeah. You have to make sure everybody's safe first and foremost. Yeah. And then and then we got yeah. back to it. But, man, it's just the world's crazy. crazy. And you, you're, if you're out in it and you're doing this long enough, you're going to see a lot yeah. of stuff. 
You are, you are. Haunt is out now, by the way. Go see it. It's amazing. Um, yeah. So when you're talking something bigger, when you're talking... Mortal you know, Kombat. Maybe, Mortal Kombat. We Mortal have to Kombat. talk about Mortal Kombat. Please. <laughs> sure. How do, you, how do you go about setting that up? Like you say, it's, uh, potentially, you mentioned earlier, it might be your idea. It's come from something you wanted to... Not your idea, but do you know what I mean? You're like, right, let's, I mean, let's do this. A huge intellectual property. Yeah. Yes. Been, you know, the movie was, what, 95? It was a yeah. huge success. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. um... And, uh, am I right? It's, it's Simon McCoy who's directing yes. it. It's a, so is he? I, I, I mean, I had a quick check on IMDb. Is that? It's not his debut feature, right? Yeah, or, or, it is. Yes. Well, it is. How does it's, that happen? Okay. You know? Well, it's a bit of a misnomer to say it's his first movie because he's been directing commercials forever, right. and he's probably sure. shot. He's probably shot more film than most feature directors. Right. And he's yeah, an, he's an adult and a fantastic human being, and mm. smart and thoughtful, and right. has a great eye, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, <clears throat> um, that movie uh, came because I had made a movie uh, uh, called Into the Storm at new line um and and i that movie had cost 45 million dollars and looked like it cost like 150 million and so new line was was gracious enough to be happy with the way that movie was produced say hey would you like to come on board and help us with mortal Kombat?" so after five years of developing it with them they had already been developing it four years previous to that uh um we you know we labored on and got a a really good draft and then james wan uh came aboard because by that time he had been making all those conjuring movies with them and 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 he's so amazing and and has such an insane savant gift for for this this kind of stuff so he came he came on board um and then we went and looked for a director and i come from the jerry bruckheimer school right so i come from Jerry, who was famous for hiring commercial directors, Michael Bay and Tony Scott and Simon West, yeah. and the list the yes. list goes yeah. on and on and Ridley on and Scott, on. Everyone, yeah, yeah, for sure. And yeah. so, and so he he trained me. He trained me how to look at commercials and go, "That's a story, man. That's not just like a product. That's a story." And we found Simon, and 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 after you know looking in his eyes and talking to him, when you could do that. Um, <laughs> we, I just felt he was the exact right guy, brought him into the studio. He did an incredible presentation and he was, he didn't know the game before really. And he smart, yeah. he smartly said, this is a novel. And you think about the characters and the backstory yeah. and in the first game where they all come from, this is a novel and we should treat it as such. And yeah. that's what we did. How did what was you said they did a great pitch? What else did he do? Obviously, he said he Simon made it into it. So Simon did a rip reel, which is a he took a bunch yep. of images and basically cut a mood of what the movie would be like and feel like. He put a bunch mm-hmm. of uh, he had an artist do renderings of things that the wow. things he saw, and he had just a really great take on what the movie would look like. He 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 didn't want it to be like any other. Um, game movie before that game movie. He, yeah, he, no. he really looked at like david lean movies and star wars and kind of right. these the big, characters, the characters. big epic looking sweeping uh movies that have incredible characters in them that's great so now you've got your director how do you piece it all together what do you do to piece everything together do you go straight to a studio do they well, say no, cool new, yes new, no? new line had already had the 
they already had the right. So New Line was. So they had the right. Yeah, New Line brought me in. Once we had the movie, all the director, you know, then you have to go through the green light process, which is a process because you're trying to find comps that are that are going to give the studio um, a feeling that it's going to be okay. Um, and comps are tough to come by when you're talking about video game movies pre Sonic, and so it was a challenge, you know, because you have to get the studio to understand that you're not just you're not just making a video game movie you're making something that is that is going to stand the test of time and is and is going to work not just as uh you know uh, a game but as something that's going to tell a story that's going to resonate and make people feel something and 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 Simon had a great pitch James was very passionate and after some wrangling, we we managed to get the movie greenlit, and as as fate would have it, the studio kind of woke up to the fact that Simon McCoy is Australian, and James Wan is Australian, and there's a character in the movie that's Australian, and Australia could really work for this big sweeping epic we're about to t- tell. Definitely could. Let's go to Australia. They have a great rebate, great crews, and that's why we 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 went to Australia because it worked out that. We we uh, under their their rules of of what it takes to get into the uh, into the country. We 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 satisfied all those rules, and and the Australian government was so gracious and worked with us. And I mean, for what we spent, the movie looks like it cost three or four times as much. Again, that that's what we did on the Into the Storm. So that's that's what the studio expected, and that's what we delivered. I mean, Amazing! I, I can't wait. Honestly, that's there's there's two films when I was younger that I went to the cinema more than five times, and it was Mortal Kombat and Wayne's World. Uh, so <laughs> I, I just I just really really like tonally tonally the same. It's tonally the same movie, by the way. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, I I'm you know because you're right. I mean that for anyone that knows the Mortal Kombat universe, the characters, it's a dark deep you know, universe. And I really hope that, you know, I'm sure you have Todd. I'm, you know, you've, you've gone to those places, you know, it, yep. it, do you know if it's going to be a rated R, you know, like 15, 18? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, I I'm, I'm, I'm confident. I'm sure it's going to do very, very well for you. Yeah. Amazing. What, let's, uh, what about another pro- Cause like you say there, new line brought you in. So does this happen a lot that, Someone in the studio will say, no. "Todd, we want no." Okay, so this was this I'm was anomaly, basically. No, I mean, because look, there's producers at, at 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 the studio level. There's so many good producers. I've had a lot of them on my podcast, and mm. and and you know, there's not there's not so many times where a studio is like, you know what, this other is not really cutting it. You need to come in. There was no producer on Mortal Kombat. I got very lucky, and so you know, right. it, that's 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 few and far between for me. Most of the time, it's 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 one of two ways it's either somebody brings me a, an idea a pitch a story a script or something or i come up with it myself mm-hmm. right and then you go to the studios yourself yeah. how does it work from yes, there? basically yeah? you know a, a producer at the studio level is basically like an architect you know they 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 come up with an idea for the the structure and they find the people that can build the structure and then they go and try to find financing for the structure it's the same it's the same with you guys yeah. so if i come up mm-hmm. with a, an idea i go to try, try to find a writer to 
to to to put together and and join forces with me. Hopefully that writer will take it as far as they can. I.e., maybe they'll they'll write it on spec. You know, and for me, I I I don't take any of the spec money ever. I I give ideas freely to to writers and say go go do this. Take it as far down the field as you can. And then, then we'll take it to all the distributors, streaming and otherwise, and, 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 and see if there's a way to see if there's a way to get it made. Cool. Great. Do you, again, when you go in there, do you go with your pitch packet done and yeah. the budget you think it will be? You go with everything. Sometimes, I mean, not always. You, look, <clears throat> in a perfect world, you would go in with a director, an actor, a script, the budget, and they would say, yes, go make that movie. That's the perfect world. The worst yes. world is selling somebody a one-line idea because then you're just in development. So I've done everything in between. And if and so you're all you're trying to do is just get the ball as close to the goal as possible. So again, getting the goal as close as possible is saying it's a $60 million you know, action movie with this and this star and this director and this great script. And they go, yes, but we'll make it for 50 two and you go okay right that's that that's like that's like <laughs> sure. the perfect world and then everything else is like right. here's a one-line idea okay yeah well all right go try to find a writer and we'll figure that out i mean i mean everything in between doing right at this exact moment yeah it's just a really interesting world i think for filmmakers and especially like say right now i think things are things are changing though from that and i think that might be different for you next time though at the moment i imagine you're still doing the same thing right you're still pitching to studios right now with sure. your projects or has it stopped or is it still going yeah you know you? what <laughs> we're selling stuff right now we're we're, we're setting up we're, we're we're selling pitches we're getting writers attached to things and i'll tell you mm -hmm. the coolest thing i saw was a writing duo were trying to sell a pitch and it was a musical and so they yeah. did the pitch like a podcast they recorded themselves they put music to it mm -hmm. they put sound effects to it and and they just played it it was amazing. It really, it's a game changer. If everybody could do that, you'd never have to pitch again. You just send that link to the studios and go take a listen. If you have questions, we'll answer them. It was so well done. Yeah. And anybody can do it with your computer. Anybody. Mm -hmm. And uh, It's interesting. I, I totally agree with that. I, I think I, I did a video, one of those, of me talking about it, you know, the, a project about seven years ago. And it worked yeah. wonders. Because then I didn't have to go in the room or chat with them. I sent them the link. Here's me on a video for three to four minutes with clips, with images, talking about how I'm going to make the movie. And people then were like, oh, great. I know what it's going to do. And I didn't have to get in a room with them and go, oh, I don't want to do it. You know what I mean? It was That becomes IP. Did work. Yes. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Um, Todd, this has been amazing. Can you? Uh, is there any way you can give some... Uh, I know you probably get this asked all the time, but any advice yes. right now for... Filmmakers, producers, directors, writers. I give everybody the same advice right now, which is <clears throat> uh, take an hour every day, turn off your phone and go for a walk. First of all, get outside, get some sun, get away from all the people that are you're quarantined with. And if you're by yourself, get out of your house and, yes. and be outside a safe distance from everybody, wear your masks, do everything you need to do to stay safe and healthy, of course. But mm -hmm. then just think, just don't. Don't, don't try to think, don't try to like, well, I, you know, I need a great idea. I need a great idea. Just set your intention that during this time that you're, um, home, is staying at home, that you're going to come up with something great and it'll happen. And just take a walk every day and just let the ideas come to you 
and no idea is dumb because you're probably the next day don't I mean, that won't work, but that will work. And then if you're a writer, go write it. And again, take it as far as you can go write it. And then when you're done writing it, give it to one person, you know, again, I keep saying you just need one person. My father was working at the Southern California gas company when he, when he had that conversation with a guy. So talk to everybody, yeah. you know, go, I got this great movie idea. I got this great movie idea. It's for, for, well, first of all, you can't say anything right now because everybody's locked in their houses. But when you get out at every party you go to and every mm-hmm. gathering you go to, go, I got this great movie idea. I got this script. Not, you know, if you're a writer, if you're a producer, yes, get outside, think, come up with ideas, and then call the one writer you know. Everybody knows one, you, or or you have a friend who knows one, or Facebook. Know anybody know any screenwriters? It, it, you, and somebody's going to be like, yeah, I want to take a shot at screenwriting and work. It'll work with that writer. It will at least get you out of your own head and not doing anything. And you can do these Zoom chats and you can give them notes and you can kind of get them. You have time now to, 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 get, the, to get the script where you want it to be. And then if you're a producer, then you go, okay, now I have a script. Now I have an idea. Who do I know? Who do I know that, that can help me get this made? Do I know a manager? Do I know somebody who knows a manager? Do I know somebody who knows an agent? You know, who, what can I do to move this forward? Do as much as you can before this thing ends. Cause you'll be that much further along when it does, as you say, it will. And if you're a director, go make shit. Did you see the David Sandberg thing? I oh, wasn't that amazing. Well, first of all, he's a little video. fucking genius, but like, yeah, even if you're not a genius, just go make something. Don't make TikTok videos. Don't get on your phone no. and don't video your backyard. Yeah. Make something, make something in your yeah. house or go outside and make something, make some, make a claymation thing, make an animation thing, make something with your wife as David mm-hmm. Sandberg did make something with your friends that are actors in, in a way you do just make something because there's never been an easier time to get your stuff seen by the world. And then once the world sees it, then the people that make the decisions in Hollywood and the, and, and, and everywhere else are, are going to see it too. So there's no excuse for anybody. Yeah. And if you're an actor, Start thinking about developing something for yourself when you, you know, to, to go bet on yourself, mm-hmm. write your own script or again, talk to a writer about something you want to star in because you can do it and people do it all the time. And, and, and there's this again with it, with these new iPhones and editing stuff, you can make something that yep. you can. And if you're a great actor, it doesn't matter what the fuck it looks like. As long as you're a good actor, we're going to find you. Love great it. Advice, so yeah. true. And great I love advice. that. Great advice. And what's interesting is uh, Matthew and Tori uh, Butler Hart, their, their husband and wife filmmaking team. I just saw a tweet from them the other day. They've made a couple of movies before already. And this went, oh, well, we're on our own in the house. So I'm going to direct uh, my wife Tori in this, this movie we've written. Feature film. It's going to do it. Perfect. And it was just like so inspiring and so brilliant. Perfect. Great for you. And I love that. Absolutely the right thing to do. So yeah, uh, absolutely great advice, Todd. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Um, Pleasure. Thank Where you. can people follow you? Because people really need to follow uh-huh. you and see your journey and get and listen to your podcast well, for sure. Todd underscore Garner on Twitter. Uh, all mm-hmm. the re- Instagram and everything else is just boring stuff. It's my kids and my family. Todd Instagram Garner is Twitter for anything business wise. Anything on Instagram and and Facebook, I'm not gonna. I'm I'm private, but uh, there there it's, it's always good. And I just found out today that the producer's guide is mm-hmm. on Spotify. So you can find the yes. producer's guide on on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Podcast One. So those that that's where you can find me as well. 
Isn't it special when someone sends you a message or something with a podcast and they'll just go, oh, I've been listening to you on this platform. And you're like, oh, I didn't realize you're on that platform. It's great. Someone, like, yes, Spotify. Someone just take That's it and move it. Yeah. <laughs> I know. You can, you can press your uh, Alexa and go, play Todd Garner's The Producer's Guy. And it'll play. Oh, Isn't that I nice? love it. And where can people follow you, Ian? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Ian Sharp and on Instagram, which I'm probably more active, at Ian Sharp one there you go, because you're the first and the best. <laughs> I think so. I'm not so sure. <laughs> <laughs> you can follow me at Charles Alderson on Twitter or Instagram. And do follow the Filmmakers Podcast at Filmmakers Pod on Twitter or on Facebook, the Filmmakers Podcast. And don't forget, we have a massive back catalogue of so many podcasts now with some huge filmmakers so whatever you're into acting producing directing you will find someone huge who can help you through the stormy waters of making an actual feature film so do go back and if you do enjoy this podcast please tell your friends and do like do subscribe and give us a nice review wherever you can do that and uh, retweet our tweet our tweeters retweet our top tweet uh, of the week that really makes a difference as well join us have a conversation why not, right, Sharpie? That's what people should do. That's yeah, what it's come about. On. Exactly. We're a community, right? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Uh, and you can go out there and make your indie film. Even now, you can make it in your room um, if you want. Uh, and if you're lucky enough to rise up and do well, it is your duty to send the elevator back down. Thank you so much, Todd, for your time. Thank you, guys. Honestly, thank you so much. We know you're busy and we really appreciate yeah, it. A so lot. grateful. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Ian. My pleasure, buddy. Anytime. Definitely, mate. Definitely. And thank you all for listening. We really do appreciate it. And we will see you next Tuesday, as always. Take care, everyone. Bye bye. Good luck, fellas. Stay safe yeah. and be creative. Cheers, man. Thanks, buddy. Really appreciate it. All the it. best. Take bye. Care.